This is Self-Care U with Scott. And today on the show, we have an awesome conversation with former first-round draft pick of the OHL, Phoenix Coyote and Winnipeg Jet, and cardiac arrest survivor, Brett McLean. I first met Brett in 2005 when he was traded to the Oshawa Generals from the Erie Otters. It was here Brett would become a 100-point season performer, led the league in goals in 2008, and shared a line with some top-notch NHL players that you may know, Kyle Clutterbuck from the New York Islanders and captain of the Toronto Maple Leafs, John Tavares. Drafted in the second round to the Phoenix Coyotes in 2007, Brett would begin his career in the AHL with the San Antonio Rampages, where he is the franchise leader in points. 2010, Brett broke into the NHL and scored his first ever goal on only his third NHL shift. Brett will tell you himself one of the best career moments is being able to play for the Winnipeg Jets on their first game back returning to the NHL. In the summer of 2012, Brett suffered a cardiac arrest playing hockey which forced him to retire from the NHL. In true self-care you form, Brett realized that your condition is not your conclusion and went on to become the assistant coach of the University of Waterloo's men's hockey team and the spokesperson for the Heart and Stroke Foundation. Today, Brett trains elite athletes chasing their hockey goals with the Hill Academy and most importantly is married and has an awesome daughter. This is self-care you. And we're about to level up with former NHLer and spokesperson for the Heart and Stroke Foundation, Brett McLean. What's good, everyone? Thanks for sticking around for another episode of the Self-Care You podcast. I just wanted to mention that Level Up Leadership is doing great, and we did take a little bit of a break here from the Self-Care You podcast because, as everyone knows, I'm a basketball coach, and I'm invested and passionate about my team, and we just started our season, so I've been focusing in on there. With that being said, we have not forgotten about what our drive is, and that's making sure that we bring good content and positive content to the people and the self-care you community. Today, we have an amazing episode with Brett McLean. He's a former NHL player. He was drafted to uh, Phoenix. He played in Winnipeg. Uh, he also had an unfortunate cardiac arrest, uh, and he tells an amazing story. It's also pretty awesome for the athletes that listen to this podcast because you get to listen to someone who has dealt with adversity but has changed the way that he perceived that information and turned it into good uh, it would have been easy for Brett just to kind of give up but instead he took what he had and he made sure that he uses it also wanted to take this opportunity to thank everyone for all the support I did hear your messages asking when the next episode was coming so here it is uh, it's an amazing episode make sure you get over to selfcareu.net as well we got some awesome merchandise that you can get there all the episodes are there we got some video all that stuff that we got going on with our level up leadership is there so with all that being said let's just get right into this episode let's go today on the show we have Brett McLean Brett how you doing today I'm doing well uh, thanks for having me. No, we appreciate you being on the show, Brett. Why don't you give our listeners a little bit about who you are, where you're from? Yeah, so I'm uh, Brett McLean. I'm from Port Elgin, Ontario, a uh, small town about 40 minutes from Owen Sound. I uh, lived there growing up until I went off to the OHL, and uh, I was lucky enough to be a guy that loved hockey that kind of went all the way to the NHL on a on a path through the OHL and played the American Hockey League, had a lot of success, and in both of those levels before getting to the NHL and living out my dream. And um, unfortunately for me, I suffered cardiac arrest and had to retire at 23. So it shifted my life quite a bit. And since that time, I went back to school and uh, now I'm, I'm working in player development at the Hill Academy 
uh, running their hockey program. Right. So our paths crossed initially, and our listeners will know, you know, I spent some time in the Ontario Hockey League with the Belleville Bulls and the Austria Generals. And really early in my career, I got to be a part of a pretty awesome a team in Oshawa in which you were part of, and that's how we kind of connected. Um, so tell me a little bit about what it was like being drafted into the OHL, you know, to Erie and then to Oshawa. Uh, must have been a pretty awesome feeling. Yeah, it was amazing. I think, you know, growing up, um, I always wanted to play in the NHL. And then as you start to get towards, uh, you know, your, your U16 or minor midget year, you start to, to look at the OHL. And um, I never really put a lot of thought in it. Just growing up in Port Elgin, um, no one had ever made the NHL that had kind of lived in there and grown up there and went through the system. Uh, Louis DeBrusque's from there, but he moved away early. Um, so I don't think I ever really thought it was a reality until my minor midget year and us having a great season. Then all of a sudden you're getting approached by agents. Um, and you start to see scouts at games and um, get a little bit of an understanding that, you know, you one, you're going to get drafted and two, you're going to get drafted ex- extremely high a lot higher than I thought and was lucky to play on a great team there. And we had a lot of success and um, the OHL draft comes up in, in April. And all of a sudden, you know, my agent at the time, Paul Capitano, was like, you're me a first round pick, um, which was shocking and exciting and amazing. And um, I didn't really know a whole lot about it, obviously. Um, and then got asked uh, about the day before by Erie, if I would go there, if I got drafted by them and, at the time, I was like, yeah, I'll go anywhere because it's such an honor to get drafted and got drafted by the Erie Otters and 11th overall and um, played my first year in Erie. Um, I'm a late birthday. I'm a December birthday, too. So I was 15 when the season started, very young still. Um, right. And I think what people don't realize is the step from minor major. I even played junior B my draft year a bit and, and was over a point a game there. But the step from that level of junior B to the OHL is huge. But it took me a while to get my feet kind of wet in the league um and in the middle of my second year i was traded to oshawa uh never really performed in erie probably the way that i had hoped or that they'd hoped and obviously the trade ended up being the best thing for me and kind of the minute i got there i just felt more comfortable i had more opportunity uh was a little bit older and my career really took off from the minute i got there was over a point a game player for the remainder of that year and then obviously had two really big seasons in oshawa after that yeah, you did definitely. I remember it was a great run. Um, it was a good team just to be around. Some really big names in there, you know. Obviously, uh, John Tavares and and Cal Clutterbuck being there, Michael Delzato, yourself, you know, like was a good group. Um, and yeah, you did come into your own. But I did want to double back. You know, I spent some time in the OHL, and I remember seeing players come in when they're very young. Um, I think it was usually too, like around year two, we would always say in the organization, I don't know if you know Barkley Branch, but Dave Branch, son, we used to talk about how like players would leave and at the end of year two of being like a young man and come back as like a full grown man. You know what I mean? And, and how your game changes in that like year two into year three, but also like young guys just being shell shocked coming into the league and having no idea what's going on. I imagine it creates some sort of anxiety or were you nervous or anything along those lines or. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, my year was magnified too, because it was the walkout year. So, you know, Corey Perry, Jeff Carter, Mike Richards, guys right. that probably would have been in the NHL uh, were still in the league. And so, you know, you get pushed down um, the depth chart on your own team a little bit, maybe not get as much power play and offensive time as you thought. Um, so I ended up getting seven goals my first year, uh, 
And then, you know, I started in the year, he had like eight points and 15 games or something. They traded me to Oshawa. And even for me, the, the change in my career was the Christmas break that, that year. Um, right. I, I went home at Christmas and I don't know what happened. Like I turned 17 and maybe everything changed. Like I came back and, and for me, the big turning point in my career, we played, I, I'll never forget it to this day. Cause it's, you know, it's one of those things where it just, a career-defining moment. We played a New Year's Day game against Guelph, and I got five points. And then it seemed like from that minute on, um, my career just kind of took off uh, offensively as a player. My confidence, it was like that day just a switch hit where I felt confident as a player, like I can play in this league and be a dominant player. And from that moment on, um, it, it changed everything. And I think that's kind of one of the things I tell a lot of the, the players I work with now is, you know, Stepping in that league at 16 is hard and, and you can never judge somebody on their rookie year or even kind of halfway through their second year on, on where they are as a player. It's a long journey. And obviously there's a couple of guys that will come in that are super elite and they just take off right away. But for a lot of them, you're really looking to see what they look like in year three and year four. Um, and that's what, you know, when teams are drafting, they're looking for that kid that can carry their team when they're an older player and, so part of it's sticking with it. And, and, you know, I, I did have a little bit of confidence issues, but I, I kept working on getting better every day, trying to improve my game. And as much as it might've been like, Oh man, I, I don't know if I'll ever get to where I want to be. I never gave up the idea of, of battling to get there. And, you know, lucky for me, something happened and the switch kind of clicked and it kind of went skyrocketing from there. Yeah, most definitely. Like at one point in time, it was a hundred point season and a hundred and nineteen point season, which is you know pretty damn good, man. And you were flying high. I remember, you know, I was in the building for a lot of you, uh, your games and just the atmosphere that was in the in the building. And that line that we had was was pretty amazing with uh, with you and John Tavares and Cal Clutterbuck was really like a a pretty big push line. And in junior at the time, you know, uh, you had some battles against Belleville and and really went pretty deep. How do you handle the pressure when you have like that huge transition? Were you ready for it? Always just like, this is what I was been waiting for. Or was there some sort of like transitional buildup that you had to be ready for? Like, man, I just put up a hundred point season. Yeah. I mean, I think um, part of it is, you know, we were so young when we started out, like John was 16, I was 17, Cal was 18. Um, we just had developed really good chemistry and, uh, organically developed into this line that that really put up points and uh, for me that was my NHL draft year so you have a lot of focus on that um, and I did put a lot of pressure on myself I wanted to be a high pick and I always as a player probably put more pressure on myself than I should have I was always a guy that if I had even three points in the game I'd look after my man I missed two I should have had five like right. just kind of the way I was as a player um, I'd say my third year that year my 100 point year um, I didn't have as much pressure on me because I still was relatively unknown. Like I finished the year strong, but I had 46 points the year before. So no one probably really expected me to take off and be that player. So there wasn't really external pressure. It was just internally what I was putting on myself to get drafted and, and help my team win and, and be a productive player every night. And, um, you know, I kind of took off in the second half of that year as well. I, I always seemed to be a guy that started really slow at the start of the year. And as the year built along, I put up more points and more points and started to roll and, um the last year my fourth year when I had 119 had 61 goals um I just had fun that year I don't know what what it was I can't really explain it I had a 30 32 game point streak uh you know goal a game in the OHL things I look back on now like 
pretty amazing that I got to be someone that was able to do that and was lucky to play in Oshawa on a great team and a brand new rink and play with John Tavares, who was arguably one of the best junior players of all time, and to play with Cal and play with Mike Delzato and I mean, Dale Mitchell and a lot of other great players that we just grew up together and had a lot of fun. So um, I look back on my time there. Yeah, I wish we would have won a championship. That's really the only thing we didn't end up doing, but it was a lot of fun, great experience. And um, most of the pressure I felt really was just me putting on myself to, to be great and to be better and to keep doing more and, and trying to get myself to the next level, uh, both in UHL and then professionally after that. Yeah, you you know what? You're bang on. It was amazing, actually. A new building. We had a great team. I have a lot of great memories from being there. Um, you know, big shout outs to go to uh, Chris White. I don't know if you remember Chris White or uh, Trish I Campbell. I Good friends of mine still to this day and, and great people that I took from that my time in that organization. You know, Brett, I'm really interested to hear about, you know, maybe you can give also some of these younger hockey players that that we talk to in our level of leadership program and things of that nature, a little bit of an understanding of what draft day looks like. Like, what does having the meetings with the team look like? I imagine it's got to be anxious. I imagine it's like having a job interview at like times 100. But I'm interested to hear what it was like for you. Was it easy or did it was it nerve wracking? What was it like? Well, draft day is not too bad. It's it's more the NHL Combine, um, which happens about a month before the draft. And that that was a stressful weekend. You, you go to, uh, I'm not sure they do it now, but we went to like a hotel in Toronto and um, everybody comes in and it's like all the prospects, top 150 of them. And you have a uh, fitness testing, which is uh, really demanding and you're super nervous for that. And you, you put a lot of time and effort in the training for that. You know, you see every year the highlights of, the guy that didn't do any push or didn't do any bench press or the guy who right. killed it on some of the stuff. So everyone's really nervous about that. And then you get a, a paper that says all of your times and all of your interviews. And I had like 26 or 27 interviews because uh, where I was rated, I was like a late first round, early second round. So everybody wants to talk to you basically. Um, and then you're looking down the list of all the teams. Okay. Who didn't want to talk to me? I guess I'm not going there, but then you're like, okay, out of all these teams, who do I, who would I love to go to? And everybody has a different process of how the interview goes. You know, some some guys are, are super nice and they just have a casual chat. and They're just trying to get to know you. Some of them are um, very intense and they're kind of nitpicking your game. Other people try and find personal things in your life and ask you about them. And yeah. um, it's very it's it's a crazy experience. And obviously, it's prepared me great for life moving forward. I don't think I'll ever be nervous going to a job interview after going through that. Um, but yeah, the combine is, is an intense day. Luckily I did well on the fitness testing. And, um, when I look back on now, that was a lot of fun. You're with a lot of guys from the league, like PK Subban was there. Um, you know, me, Dale Mitchell, Brian Cameron was there, uh, Stefan Legion, a lot of OHL guys that you, you didn't really know that well at the time because you just played against them and you became good friends kind of going through that process together. And, you know, when I see those guys to, to this day, it's something we can talk about. Uh, the draft itself, obviously for me, it was a little nerve wracking because you really want to be a first round pick. Um, and I was right on the bubble and, and unfortunately I didn't go in the first round and the first round was Friday night. So then I had to wait till Saturday to get drafted. Um, and I got drafted about five minutes into Saturday. So there was a little bit of stress there that once you get picked the next day, you realize you really shouldn't have been there at all. Um, an amazing experience once you get picked and, you can say you're drafted to the NHL regardless of whether you're first round pick, second round pick, wherever it is. And then, and then from that minute on, you really learn that um, it's about the work you put in from that time. So uh, my draft is in Columbus. It was an amazing experience. I got to be there with my, uh, my parents, my brother, 
some of my aunts and uncles were there and a lot of people that were special to me and helped me along my path. And um, it's just amazing to celebrate on the Saturday that that right. part of, you know, my goal had been reached. And um, again, something you, I can look at for the rest of my life that can never be taken away from me. So um, you kind of start to realize the stress of the Friday night wasn't really that big a deal, but I remember sitting there, there's a few teams I thought maybe I'd go to and you get kind of nervous because you're like, oh, maybe this is the pick, this is the pick. And um, then when it wasn't, I had a good feeling going into the Saturday. I talked to my agent. Stuff. He's like, I'm pretty sure you're going to go to Phoenix 32nd overall. Kind of they were happy to see you fell to that spot. And yeah. um, so I wasn't quite as nervous going in the second day because I had a little bit. Of, I, if they wouldn't have picked me, I think I would have been like, oh, okay, now maybe we'll see where I go. But I had a pretty good feeling that's where I was going to go. Yeah, pretty amazing. And and there's every Canadian kid's dream, you know what I mean, to hang their hat on the fact that they've been drafted to an NHL team. You know, we all, we all know what Hockey Night in Canada is and how big it is here, and especially in Ontario, but in Canada in general. Drafted 32nd overall in 2007, right, to Phoenix. I'm interested to know kind of like you get up there, you know, you, you're able to get through the pick uh, and you're selected. What's the emotion that goes through you at that time? Obviously, there's still lots of work to be done, but you must feel some sort of accomplishment for sure. Yeah, I mean, just overwhelming pride in, in the work that I put in. Um, again, like I said, growing up in Port Elgin, you know, you, you would go into class and every year you pick, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I'd say NHL hockey player. And there would always be people like, you're not going to do that. No one from here ever has done that. So why would you think you're going to be that person? Right. And, you know, and it wasn't, never for me, it was like, oh, I'm going to prove them wrong. I just, I just loved hockey. That's what I wanted to do. And like, I never really thought about wanting to, to do anything else. So to be able to accomplish my goal was an amazing feeling. And then obviously getting to share it with my family who, you know, sacrificed a lot for me to get there. My parents playing in Grey Bruce, you know, you're playing, you're driving three and a half hours on a weekend to play against Niagara Falls. You're driving, you know, yeah. three hours to, to Welland. And my brother was playing AAA at the same time. So my, you know, my mom would go one place, my dad would go the other. So to be able to celebrate that with them was amazing. Um, and then, you know, just enjoying the moment of being, you know, here in the NHL, you go up and you meet Gary Bettman. He says, welcome to the NHL. And then um, for me, the really cool experience is Wayne Gretzky was the coach and the owner at the time. So I got to meet him yeah. and take my draft photo with him, which was uh, a surreal experience. And then, you know, just get to enjoy the rest of the day and, and look back on, on what I had accomplished to that point. And I went home and had a little party with a lot of my friends and celebrated that and tried to really soak in the experience before uh, getting back to work. And um, the one cool thing about the draft is they usually have a rookie camp like two or three weeks later. I know it may, now it might even be a couple of days later, but um, I had like two weeks and went to rookie camp and that's kind of your intro to the next chapter of your life. So I went to Phoenix for the rookie camp and um, that, that was cool as well. So yeah, I know a lot of the guys that I was around, uh, especially with my time with the Belleville Bulls, you know, you're talking about uh, PK, you're talking about Matt Bolesky, Eric Tangrady, guys that were drafted into the NHL. I remember conversations with them and seeing their professionalism like shift in a week. You know what I mean? I've been drafted into the NHL. Like this is real deal now. Like I got to go and, and be about my business and I got to make sure that the effort is there and I got to be make sure that I prepare. And I'm interested you know, you have, everyone has their own journey, right? Might be in the AHL, work a little bit in the minors till you get to the NHL. 
I'm interested about, you know, your preparation and what it took for you to get to that first game. Um, you know, the effort that you had to put in the grind. Uh, what did that look like? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, um, it was learning how to play the game a different way at the professional level. Um, I went to San Antonio in the American Hockey League after my fourth year in the OHL. And um, I always had success in the American League. Like, I had my first year I was in the AHL All-Star game. I put up over 20 goals. Uh, my second year, I had, like, top 10 in scoring in the league. Um, I think for me, it was just learning that, you know, goals aren't everything and, and building my two-way game, um, you know, being stronger on the puck. Um, and then just life experience. Like I was 19 years old. I moved down to Texas and I remember, so they sent me down to the American league and, um, they're like, okay, so you're going to be in here this year. You got a week to find an apartment and be out of the hotel. And I'm like, I don't know how to do any of this stuff. I don't even like have a bank account in the U S yet. So, right. you know, luckily for me, I was with some, and I was the, I was on a team that didn't have a lot of CHL guys. So I was the youngest guy on the team by like two or three years. And so that was a huge culture shock moving to the U S. Um, you're not drinking age, so it's harder to go spend time with your teammates and stuff. Luckily for me, I had some great older teammates that helped me out, but that was part of the adjustment. And then the other part of the adjustment is, is learning to play the game at the pro level. And um, I'd say the biggest challenge for me was, was staying patient. Like you, you look around the league, um, guys that I knew that I played with in the OHL, great players, um, maybe didn't have as many points as me in the American League, maybe didn't play in the All-Star games, maybe didn't have as much success, but they're getting called out playing games in the NHL, and I'm, I'm still waiting for my turn. And it probably wasn't until my third year that I really realized that, you know, every team is different, every path is different, and, and I just got to buy into doing what I need to do to get to that level. Um, and so it, it took me two and a half years to get there to the to the level I needed to to have the opportunity to to get into a game. And, um, I still remember getting the call on December 28th at like six in the morning that you're getting called up that night to play for Phoenix and, uh, so flying from San Antonio to Phoenix and, um, play the LA Kings on my third shift I scored. So, um, all that time and effort and kind of frustration and learning to, to grow as a person and as a player paid off, obviously, in that moment. Yeah, and being called up to the NHL, you know, working towards another accomplishment and hitting another goal. Um, I have to ask you because I'm pretty interested to know about what Winnipeg was like, you know, with them returning. I, I imagine the facility was pretty juiced up. Everybody was excited. Uh, what was it like for you? It was a whirlwind because um, I was with Phoenix still going into training camp. Um, didn't have a great camp. Like I finished here in Phoenix. I was up with them for like three months to finish the late year before. So you're kind of like, all right, now I'm kind of getting myself in a spot where I'm going to be a full-time NHL player. Um, didn't have a great camp, uh, for whatever reason, when I look back, like I prepared really well in the summer. So I don't know if it was nerves or, or what got to me, but just didn't have a strong camp. So they, and I was at the point in my career where they had to put me on waivers to send me down. And, um, obviously my resume and success I'd had the year before gave me another shot with another team. And, um, you know, you're at practice one day kind of knowing you're on waivers, not sure where you're going to be the next day. And then you called me off and said, you're going to Winnipeg, uh, which is a really cool experience. Jump on a plane and uh, we're two days away from the home opener and the first game back in Winnipeg. So um, never really had time to catch my breath. I uh, went into the game, and was on the ice for the first goal that the Jets ever scored. 
And I remember just like how loud it was in the arena. You couldn't, you couldn't think, you couldn't talk, couldn't hear anything, just noise. And it was awesome. It was cool to be a part of that. And the city was just um, electric the entire time I was there. Uh, you know, obviously very passionate group of people that lost their team and realized now they had a second opportunity and weren't going to take it for granted. And, you know, to get to play on a Canadian team, um, even though it was for a short period of time, is, is definitely something I'll, I'll never forget. And, you know, every kid's dream as a Canadian-born uh, hockey player to get to play for a Canadian NHL team. So the fact that I got to do that is, is, is pretty cool. Yeah, no, some amazing accomplishments, and and you're a great guy. Like I, I've always had good communication with you when and when I worked for the organization. You know, it's it's really easy to sometimes you know stereotype players, and and you're you're definitely one of those individuals that were easy easily approachable. Um, understood that you know you're humbled, and that the goals that you're chasing are just going to be amazing adventures for you for the rest of your life. And I know that obviously there was a shift, and I remember. Being in my house, I remember uh, hearing it on the news, and I was shocked for sure. I, I text uh, my good friend Whitey and and heard about the cardiac arrest and the situation that you had. And I would really love to just give you the floor, and and maybe you could kind of let us know how that transpired and and how that really shifted from you know playing in the NHL and and being an NHL player and being drafted thirty second overall to really seeing it gone and and you know your dreams or your goals really being whipped away from you? Yeah. I mean, I think for me, um, it, it happened in the summertime and I was in an interesting spot where, um, you know, I finished the year, went back on waivers, went back to Phoenix, never got called up again. Um, kind of went through a spot where I'm like, oh, I don't know if I, or what I'm doing here. And then I kind of refound my love for the game and finished the year really strong. And, um, we went on, they went on a big playoff run and I was a black case and I really enjoyed myself and kind of had refocused on, you know, just loving hockey again. I think I lost it a little bit that year and found it and kind of went through this whole cycle. And, um, I remember, uh, like two days before, um, my cardiac arrest, you know, it's funny what you worry about and then how life can change. Uh, talk with my agent and I'm like, I don't know if I want to go back to Phoenix. I think I just need a fresh start somewhere else. And, so we're like, maybe I'll get traded. If I don't get traded, he's like, well, there's a couple offers in the KHL and you can go play in Siberia or you can go play in Prague. I think there's like two options and, um, you know, what, what would you want to do? And so I'm like, okay, I'll think about it. And see, this is the biggest stress in your life at the moment. And then two days later, like I'm in my summer training uh, and I went to play pickup hockey that night with, there's a group of pro guys in Owen Sound, like I said, 40 minutes from Port Elgin that we skate with every summer. And uh, we're getting back in the summer game shape and it was our first skate of the summer and I'm coming down the ice and I think 40 minutes into the skate or whatever and I uh, went to make a pass and I guess I just collapsed to the ice and um, you know at first I think the guys thought I was joking around and lucky for me a couple of the guys that I play with Jason Silverthorne and Jason Gallagher and they came over they realized something was wrong um, and you know I guess wrong thing to happen but right place right time uh, one of the guys I skated with was dad, Jay Forslund, was a firefighter, and he was there watching. Um, and he, he saw that I was in distress, and he called 911, and he grabbed the AED, and he knew what to do. And the three of them, you know, CPR and AED helped save my life. And obviously, I was lucky the paramedics got there, I think, within seven minutes. And um, I mean, I don't remember any of this, but uh, I got put in an ambulance to Owen Sound Hospital. And, um, my parents weren't even home. They were on vacation. So 
my brother gets the call and he's trying to call them. And um, so they were in a Bellicle Park. They raced back and I got, I got airlifted from Owen Sound to London, um, put in a medically induced coma to, to kind of preserve, you know, brain function and everything else, just to make sure everything would be okay. Uh, woke up two days later in the hospital with no real idea of what had happened. And um, I guess when I woke up at first, I thought I had drowned because I, I don't know if at some point when I was either coming to or out of it or whatever, I thought I was on a boat. And then when they said, no, you didn't drown. I was like, oh, I must have had a car accident because, you know, I had no recollection that I played hockey or, or anything oh, really? along those lines. And uh, when they explained that a cardiac arrest playing hockey, I was pretty shocked. Um, and then you get the news that, you know, you're not going to be able to play anymore, uh, that your career is over. Um, that's pretty tough to, to take and, to, you know, realize that everything you kind of worked for, everything you wanted to do, um, was coming to an end. And this is right. all in a period of two weeks while I'm in the hospital. So and then at the same time, you're trying to recover. And, you know, I remember the first time I took a shower, it was like, it felt like I'd done the biggest workout of my life. And, um, so it's pretty pretty down obviously that, that was a tough blow for me um right. <laughs> and i remember like my mom told me i guess when they were like hey can't play hockey more i was like well why didn't they bother saving me that was my original thought right. um wow. and then obviously that changes pretty quick because you uh you realize how lucky you are to be alive and fortunate that that i survived uh so right. i went home and started feeling a little bit better and you're starting to do a little bit more um and you know thankful that that i'm recovering and i think one of the things that really helped me is um the heart and stroke foundation foundation reached out to me when i was uh, still in the hospital and asked me if i would want to be a spokesperson for them and well first they were just you know offering me condolences and anything they can do but then moved into being a spokesperson for them and i think that really helped me with my recovery um to be able to share my story in a positive way that has hopefully raised awareness and saved other people um right. to meet people that have been through similar or much worse situations than me um who maybe didn't even get the opportunity to live out their dream it really put into perspective that you know as brutal as this was and how tough it was like I still was very lucky got to play in the nhl still alive um i'm still very active to this day um i haven't had any major issues since so um, it's been a slow build over time, but, uh, you know, I'm at a point in my life where I don't even think about it day to day and I'm very fortunate to be alive. And even though my life shifted, I'm, I'm very happy with where I am. And, you know, I went back to school and got a degree in sports business from the University of Waterloo. And, um, yeah, so I think it's obviously been a, a long recovery mentally. Um, the first year was tough, but after that, I've just kind of decided to live my life. I was lucky. I got some good advice from a doctor who said, you know what, Brett? you could die tomorrow by getting hit by a car walking down the street. So, right. um, you know, you, you gotta be cautious and you can't, you know, things are going to set you off and, you know, you got to remember that you have some heart issues, but at the end of the day, you got to live your life and enjoy what you're doing and, and try and live that way. So that, that's kind of how I've adopted the philosophy for it. Yeah. You know, it's a really in inspirational story. Uh, you helped us out with our level up leadership when we were doing some work with the Clarington Toros and we shared your story to them and, and talked about perspective and understanding that, you know, at any given time, all these great things can be taken away from you. Like the ability, well, you know, one thing we shared too is like the ability to be playing hockey with your buddies and, and these memories that you're making right now won't always be there. 
right? So you want to make sure that you take advantage of the opportunities that you have so that, you know, it can be whiffed away in, in two seconds and you don't even know where it went. And in, and in your case, obviously, um, did you, was there something that like, that is triggered the cardiac arrest or obviously we understand what cardiac arrest is, but you know, did they give you a definitive reason or was it just kind of one of those situations where it just happened? Yeah. I'm one of those unique situations where they don't have a reason as to why Um, they, you know, I've done genetic testing. I've done different tests to see if they could figure it out. And um, there's no real answer as of today as to why I'm sure as we move through my life and, technology and research continues to improve maybe they'll have a reason part of the reason i guess they don't know is because nothing else has happened since which i'm very thankful for i'd rather not find out and not have any more issues than yeah of course then be able to uh explain it because something else happened but um yeah it just seems like a random for whatever reason just happened to me and um you know i think it's it's helped me with coaching a lot with, with kids you know i look back on my career the amount of times that i was so frustrated when like i said you know i have a three-point game and maybe we'd lose five four and i'm like i should have had two more goals and i would think about those two goals for days and weeks or you know even times when i was frustrated with not getting called up or um you know little things that you worried about as a player that every player worries about but at the end of the day you start putting this perspective it's you're playing a game for a living or you're playing a game at the highest level you can you're pretty lucky you're pretty fortunate and um, there's a lot worse things and you know, trying to get a lot of the players I work with to understand that, you know, you're going to go through ups and downs as a player and um, all you can really do is refocus and, and keep moving forward and, and trying to stay working towards your goal. And, and at the end of the day, things work out the way they're supposed to. And, and that's all you can really do. That's right. You know, we all have a journey. We all have a path at which, you know, we're, we're chasing our goal or whatever it may be. We have experiences, but, and, you know, with you, you have, a change of course in the, in the way that you're transitioning and that you're moving in your life. And, and now you're, you know, at the Hill Academy, you're coaching and you're inspiring others and you have the ability to, to provide really good feedback. You know, someone that has been there, been right at the top um, and has had it taken away. Um, what's some of those things that you teach these young athletes at the Hill Academy, you know, aside from obviously, you know, skills uh, set things, I'm thinking more like, mentally from the mindset side of things, uh, some stuff that maybe you address with, with players on perspective, you know, preparation, things of that nature. Yeah. I mean, one of the biggest ones that I focus on is, is being a lifelong learner. Um, I think if you look at the great players in the game, great people in business, great people that are around the world, they're really successful. They're always learning. So I always tell um, the players, you know, you might be really good at something, but you can always learn something from someone else, or you can pick up something new every single day or in every situation you go to. Um, so that's a big one for me. Um, the second one is, is have confidence in yourself. Believe that you're going to do it. If you don't believe in yourself, no one else is going to. And it sounds cliche, but you know, I grew up in, like I said, in Port Alton where people are like, yeah, I mean, no one's been there from here. So why do you think you're going to be the first? And if I would have just been like, yeah, you're probably right. I might as well not even try. Well, obviously, I never would be here. So, right. um, you know, believing in yourself and, and trusting the process. And then also, you know, one for me is, is just being able to to adapt and bounce back from both successes and failures. You know, don't get too high, don't get too low. Um, you know, kind, kind of stay focused on that. And um, the last one is just enjoy the process. I look back on my journey and 
um, at the end of the day, we're, we're all trying to get to some goal, but it's not like when I got to play in the NHL on that first game that it's like, okay, now I'm done. It's over. I mean, you, you know, you're 99.9% of everything to get to that goal was, was about the journey and, and the process and trying to enjoy those moments along the way. And um, sometimes I probably enjoyed it the way I should have. Sometimes I didn't. And I look back on it and it's like, lots of times when I could have just sat back and been like, you know, even just for a short period of time, like, oh, it's pretty amazing that I've been able to do the things I've done. And for the most part, I wasn't able to do that until my career was over. Um, I think that's a way a lot of athletes are wired, but I think it's tough at times because you spend so much of your life in this journey that you're on to get to the end goal that a lot of people don't really appreciate and enjoy it until they get past that end goal. And then it's, it's too late to really soak in what they're doing or what they just did for 10, 20, 30 years. Yeah. And, you know, I'm a basketball coach in my community. I coach here in a prep school out in this area. And we talk about, you know, for, for the athletes that I have, you know, their, their journey is just starting, but we say the same things that you're saying is, you know, making sure you don't take it for granted and sometimes just stop and realize where you are and what you're doing. And, and that the fact is that you get to play at the elite highest level in the sport that you love to be an athlete and enjoy it and be around friends is, is a, and a pretty amazing accomplishment by itself, regardless of what happens if, you know, you happen to go to college or university or, or play in the OHL, whatever it may be. And I think you hold a huge responsibility, you know, with being with the Heart and Stroke Foundation and, and being a spokesperson. And I'm interested to hear about, you know, we obviously know about your story and, and you sharing, but were there any, uh, sometimes when you, you know, had the opportunity to share your story where you really felt like you touched somebody or you affected somebody and was able to impact them? Yeah, I had a few different moments, obviously. Um, there was a couple um, junior hockey players over the past, honestly, four or five years that suffered a heart issue and, and had to stop playing. And um, people kind of reached out to me through the Heart Stroke Foundation just to talk to them they were going through a really tough time. So having the opportunity to speak with them um, about my experience and just trying to offer some support, I think it really helped with a lot of them. Um, so that's obviously been very special for me because, um, you know, to go through it when I did was tough, but I couldn't imagine uh, it happening even before you get to your dream. And um, so that was amazing. And then, you know, I've met some younger, younger individuals that have gone through a tough time and, kind of getting to meet them and be around them and try and help them be positive and, um, you know, realize that, that life is, is going to be okay if, if you have the right mindset has been special. And I think just kind of trying to be an example for people that heart stroke can use of someone that's still very healthy, very active. And um, I always tell people really outside of the fact that I am not a professional athlete anymore, my life really hasn't changed a lot. Like I still uh, maybe not quite as, don't exert myself physically the way I used to because I'm not training to be a professional athlete, but I'm still very active every day. Um, I still do, you know, 95% of the things that I did before. Um, so I just try and be that light where people can look and like, okay, there's somebody that's just living his life, enjoying his life and um, things are working out for him. Yeah. You know, I was bragging about uh, this conversation that you and I are having at my practice the other day and, and you know, sharing athlete to athlete, you know, I'm going to have a conversation with somebody who has a very good perspective on where they are in their life now, feels very grateful for um, being here, but at the same time is willing to to help individuals. And 
that's the most important thing with self care you and level of leadership is that we're continuously having these conversations to share information so that, you know, maybe hopefully some of these athletes are going to listen to this podcast and, and take some, uh, some of your advice and really use it towards chasing their goals. I'm interested to hear, you know, what young Brett McLean uh, advice would give to like maybe a 14 year old Brett McLean, you know what I mean? Like what would you say to yourself at the age of 14 that would help you chase your dreams that you didn't maybe know about? Um, number one, like I said, would be just enjoy the process, enjoy the, the process you're going to go through on your way to your journey. Um, you know, be grateful every day that you're getting this opportunity and um, don't think too far ahead. And then the other one would be just listen to the advice you're getting and be willing to put in the hard work. I know I look back on my career and uh, I was never the best skater. Um, it was hard for me and I was very resistant for a long time on, on improving that because it was a lot more fun for me to keep working on my shot and the things I was great at. Um, but you, you see a lot of the guys, you know, you look at Connor McDavid now, you look at Sidney Cosby, like they go in the summer and they're like nitpicking their game and finding these minuscule weaknesses and they just work on them and get better and get better. And I think for any athlete, there's always areas we can improve on and, and not being afraid to challenge ourselves to get out of our comfort zone to, to work on the things that we maybe struggle with is, is huge. It's, it's kind of what you need to get to, to the highest levels and, and to be great. And it's kind of what separates the elite superstar from the guy that, that makes it and just has some success. Well, Brett, listen, I have to say on behalf of uh, definitely my players who are going to listen to the podcast and, and a lot of the athletes that we have in our program, uh, we appreciate you coming on the podcast and sharing your experiences. You're going to help uh, definitely someone in our community who is you know, trying to chase their goals or wherever it may be. Um, thank you for your time, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's, uh, I appreciate the opportunity to share my story and um, hoping that this can help someone kind of get themselves to their next level. So, awesome. Yeah. Thank you, man. Yeah, thanks. No problem. Thanks again for sticking around for another episode of the Self-Care You podcast. And again, appreciate all the support we're getting. Appreciate everybody that's listening here on Spotify and iTunes. Uh, feel free to give us a review, you know, star rating, whatever you like. Um, also, everybody that follows us on Instagram that's buying the merchandise at selfcareu.net. We really appreciate all the support. Uh, thank you. This is Self-Care You, and we definitely leveled up today with former NHL player, cardiac arrest survivor, and Heart and Stroke Foundation spokesperson, Brett McLean.